Hello and welcome back to the Outside and Active podcast. My name's Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. And for our next stop on this adventure, we are joined by Jay Courtney. Jay is a writer who takes inspiration from being in the wild, whether it's sitting next to her garden pond or exploring remote places in the North Atlantic. Five years ago, after a period of ill health, Jay decided to retire from her long career and retirement took her by surprise. She realised that she didn't really know how to do that part of her life. She experimented with different activities such as drawing and ballet, but ultimately it was writing that was her thing. Jay has actually written a book which compiles multiple stories from a lot of different women who have been through this difficult period of their life. And in this episode of the Outside and Active podcast, we talk all about this, how Jay actually got into writing, how she started to speak to these women and compile their stories together, and generally about how we should maybe see this part of our life as an opportunity rather than something we should not look forward to. But just before we jump into this week's podcast, a word from this week's sponsor, All Steps Formation Riding. All Steps are the exclusive UK provider of the renowned skill and beauty of formation riding. Join All Steps for a musical celebration, hosting the world-famous Portuguese School of Equestrian Art. They are bringing a full team of 24 horses and their riders to wow not only horse lovers, but non-equestrians too. Alongside the Portuguese team, they will have their very own team of All Steps riders with their exciting and moving lights routine, first seen at the Horsemanship Showcase. If you're interested in finding out more about All Steps Formation Riding and this amazing event, then you can get tickets by heading to allstepsformationriding.co.uk. And without further ado, let's head straight into this episode of the Outside and Active podcast with Jay. Jay, hello. Welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. How are you? I'm really well, thanks, Dominic. Good. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, it's, it's now that technology is on our side. Uh, it wasn't working for us earlier in the week, but we're here now and we're happy to have you on and chat about a really, really important topic and chat about you and the book. And I'm really excited to have this conversation. But just before we jump into the conversation, I am actually going to be passing you a piece of advice. And this is something that we have on every podcast. And it's a piece of advice that comes from a previous guest and they're leaving an advice about anything and they're passing it on to someone that they don't know about. So this piece of advice comes from Ben Parker, who is a an amazing running coach from an app called Runner and is an amazing runner himself. And his piece of advice that he left was, the longer we work at it, the better we get at it, which is very simple, but I very, I very much like it. And I was going to ask you about actually writing um have you always been a writer or is this something that has kind of come about in in a recent time no and that's a really useful piece of advice actually because no i i haven't i only started writing since i retired i mean i've written for work like most people have to but i i hadn't actually done any creative writing or you know anything that wasn't work-based um, and it was something I kind of fell into because I wasn't doing very well. I was struggling with retirement and I suppose I was sort of scribbling for my own sanity, really. Um, but then I realised that I actually really enjoyed it and wanted to get better at it. And that's where the quote's useful. And once I got into it and did a few courses and then took an MA, um, it became a bit obsessive. So I did work really, really hard at it, um, but it 
you know, like all things that you enjoy, it didn't really feel like work. So, yeah. It's always it's, ideal, that. <laughs> it's been an absolute joy to discover something that I enjoy so much um, when I really wasn't expecting to. Yeah. I, I always see writers and when they're writing books or writing long form content, they always have some, either they go to a specific place or they do it at a specific time <laughs> of the day. Did you have that particular place or did you kind of find time in, in your in your life or was it at night when you know you can be distracted or you could just zone in? Mm, um, I'm typical of many writers in that I'm an early bird. I do like to get going early in the morning and I love that dead quiet at the very early start of the day. So I do tend to write early as early as like five-ish, uh, and for three or four hours if my head's really in it. Um, so it's a, a very much a morning thing for me. But I'm also a bit mad when I'm writing. I I love to walk, and when I walk, I get ideas. And then every single jacket and jumper I've got has got a little tiny notebook in it and a pencil. And every time an idea comes to me, you know, I, I jot it down. And then I'm ending up with these hun- literally hundreds of little bits of paper. <laughs> I've tried putting it on my phone and it just doesn't work for me. So, <laughs> so it scraps has to of paper be. everywhere. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Well, so it's, you know, so, some part of it is organized and the other is quite mad. <laughs> <laughs> organized chaos. Organized yeah. chaos. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What you're saying about walking and getting ideas is obviously writing can be quite a sedentary <laughs> process, but walking, obviously, and you're writing about things, um, about being active as well so that kind of leads me on to the question that we ask to everyone as well is that what do you Jay love about being outside and active? Mm -hmm. I've always really enjoyed walking I chose Lancaster University you know years and years and years ago because it was close to Lake District and uh, is where I could you know go off hiking every weekend Um, and then you know family happened and all the rest of it so you can't go on those well I couldn't go on those sorts of journeys so much but that has been an absolute treat to get back to at this stage in my life. Um, and I, I love groups like Lover Wild and Adventure Queens and, you know, just to, yeah. to get out in the world. Having said that, I love the groups. I've got many really good th- friends through them, but I do love to go solo walking um, and particularly in northern climates. So, you know, places like the Faroe Islands and, you know, northern Scotland, yeah. Orkney, um, it, there's something about that light in the north that really appeals to me um and i just love the ruggedness of it um and actually i know it's not kind of usual to say it but i quite like cold weather (laughs) oh i don't know if i agree with you on that one (laughs) not wet but i don't mind cold yeah okay wrap up nice and warm go on a walk in the lake districts or scotland no i can i can understand that i can appreciate that definitely yeah 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 (laughs) Well, just give, there'll be an intro to this podcast as people that listen every week will know to give, you know, a background of who Mm -hmm. our guest is, but I always like to get it from you yourself in terms of, obviously you're in a certain direction now and you're embarking on this journey, but give us an idea of your background before Mm -hmm. this as well and what led Mm -hmm. you into the, the path that you're on now. Yeah, um, in in many ways, I was typical of women of my age. I mean, I'm uh, 65, so born in the late 1950s, lived through the swinging 60s and 70s. But I lived on Salisbury Plain, so I don't think the swinging 60s hit Salisbury Plain until about (laughs) 1980-something. So it wasn't very swinging, really. Um, 
so that was kind of my baptism, if you like, into wild places. A Salisbury Plain can be quite wild and quite dangerous at times. So that, you know, I loved that. I loved walking and cycling, even as a kid there. Um, I then, you know, did my studies, went on to be, you know, like many women of my age, a teacher uh, and you know, was fairly successful in my career and later on became a local authority advisor. And my interest then was very much in the health and well-being of children and young people. So I worked with health and social services, you know, for everything really to do with children's health. So and I was passionate about it. I absolutely loved it. Um, And I was very fortunate. I had my two daughters, um, who are now grown up with children of their own. So I've got, you know, four grandchildren. And, you know, I have been very lucky. Um, un- unfortunately for me, towards the end of my career, I got ME after a viral infection and it floored me. I'd always been really active. I was, you know, I used to swim every morning before work and, you know, I was pretty much uh, uh, fit for my age. But, um, the ME floored me and I really struggled with that. Um, not much was known about it and even less about how to help me. Um, so it was a, a really tricky few years. And that gave me a lot of time to reflect and think, actually, maybe I need to take early retirement and just get my health back. So that that's what's happened. And I didn't anticipate I would have any difficulties at all. I've always been someone who's had far too many ideas for my own good and you know I've not struggled I've never been bored let's put it that way I've always had lots of interests but it wasn't like that I found it really hard I found retirement very difficult I couldn't sort of find my place in the world I couldn't find things that particularly interested me Um, and I also felt a lot of pressure that I was really surprised by that being an older woman, you're expected to behave in a certain way and limit your lifestyle due to choices to things that didn't appeal to me at all. Uh, and most of the books and magazines and stuff I read were sort of urging me to, A, not look my age, and B, you know, have cosmetic surgery or, you know, buy, spend lots of money on face cream or whatever. It, it just, I couldn't relate to what they were suggesting. Mm-hmm. Um And so I started to, initially it was a personal quest, just talking to friends and friends of friends to see how they were facing this part of life. Um, And a lot of them were feeling just as I was, and that was both a surprise and a comfort. Somehow in my head I thought, oh, retirement, it's all fluffy and lovely, and, you know, and it wasn't really like that. Um, so as time went on, and by this time I was had started to, to write, I was doing my master's, and it began to feel like there might be a story here, you know, that it might be worth my while um, seriously talking to other women and um, interviewing them properly to see, you know, what the issues were and how women were finding their way um, post-menopause. This was sort of about three years ago I started it, And there was not much in the news at all about menopause then. It's quite a recent thing. Um, There certainly wasn't anything about post-menopause. And there still isn't really. Mm. There's this sort of, you know, menopause. And and then what happens? Do you fall off a cliff or, you know, do you, (laughs) you you know, tuck yourself into 
I don't know, you know, rest home or something. You know, what what is postmenopause? Yeah. So that was that was a personal quest that turned then into a, a, a oh, not quite an academic, but a a study of what you know women I spoke to were experiencing and. I was looking for stories that would help me selfishly, women who, like me, had had to retire and had found their way beyond menopause to do the things they always wanted to do, or women who had long harboured a desire to do something, and because of life, children, elderly parents, all the sorts of things that most of us face you know, during our life, they'd had to put a real passion on hold. And it was, you know, perhaps 30 or 40 years later, they were returning to this this adventure, this passion, whatever it was. Um, so I had planned uh, a trip to travel quite a big chunk of the world. I was going to head north, which is my natural compass bearing, and uh, start up in um, Iceland, the Faroes, Shetland, heading back down this way and then ending up on a, a big trip in New Zealand. So that, that was the plan. I was going to travel on my own and meet women on the way in a sort of serendipitous way and talk to them as I went. Mm. And that was <clears throat> uh, all planned by February 2020. <laughs> Good timing. <Yeah. laughs> it, was, it was perfect. I was writing this book about women having adventures. <laughs> so. Um, of course, lockdown happened. We all got completely benched and I had to make a decision. Was I going to try and carry on with this in a different way mm. or was I going to just wait? You know, and my elder daughter said to me, mum, it's going to be at least two years before things are back to normal. Um, so I kind of thought, I think I'll just try and carry on with it. So it became a different project in that it was largely done <clears throat> via, you know, Zoom and so on. Um which then we weren't all used to. That in, in itself was quite a learning curve. Um, and when the you know law allowed, I would go. I've got a camper van, so I'd go out and stick two chairs in a field and interview women, literally in the field. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, very luckily for me, the camper van front seat and back seat are two meters apart, so I could um, very nice open, open the sliding door, open the window, and you know there'd be a a, a big draft going through. Um, and I, I remember so vividly interviewing Deborah that day, and it was freezing. It was December, and I'd made hot water bottles, and we had blankets, and you know, flask of coffee. It was very nineteen fifties. <laughs> But that's how the interviews got done. You know, if they weren't done on Zoom, then I set off on one camping trip in the snow. Um, it's when campsites first opened and they were allowed to open campsites, but not the facilities. Interesting. So, okay. <laughs> so that was all a bit bizarre. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so I went down to Dorset and um, interviewed a, a runner down there. So, yeah, it, it wow. was a incredible project i probably in total spoke to 50 people um yeah and then chose the ones i wanted yeah so i mean by speaking to these people who are going through similar times of life and but might be experiencing it in different ways you mm. have taken on so much knowledge and got an understanding you've probably learned a lot yourself as well during during that time and and you've compiled these 
the you know, <clears throat> selection of these stories in, into a book. And I mean, before we, we jump in, jump into to talking about all of these things and giving people advice and, and you kind of talking about what you've learned, I have to ask Juicy Crones, the name of your <laughs> website, where, where's that come from? Because that is a great name. <laughs> before I started this, but when I was reading to try and I'm a big reader to try and make sense of my world. And so I, I was reading um, an American author called Jean Shinoda Bolan. And she used the phrase juicy crones. And it just made me laugh because at the time things felt quite grey. And it just made me laugh, this idea of this sort of bright technicolour older woman. Um, but it was also slightly naughty, a bit kind of, what's yeah. that all about then? <laughs> so I emailed her and said, you know, basically, you made me laugh so much. I love the phrase. I'm thinking of doing this project. Would you allow me to use your phrase? And um, it was just a phrase in a paragraph. It wasn't, but I I thought out of courtesy. And she wrote me such a lovely email back saying, please do, please run with it. You know, oh, so some more nice. people who are, you know, uh, supporting older women to do their thing and have adventures, the better. So I had her blessing and kind of that in the, the dark days of lockdown, and you know, it all got a bit grim at times, didn't mm. it? Just having her in the back of my head, you know, spurring me on was really important. Oh, what yeah. a kind person. And also fair play to you for actually reaching out as well and and, and asking <laughs> about that phrase. It, there will be people tuning into this podcast um, that what we're talking about and what you've written about will either have directly affected in the past. It might be a time of life that they're, you, they're coming up to. Mm-hmm. They might be going through it right now. But also <clears throat> we have a, a, a great variety of people that listen to this mm-hmm. podcast. So I want, I want to start and, and get everyone on the same page before we, mm-hmm. we jump into that. And let's go really simple because like you said earlier, the menopause is not something that's necessarily spoken about as frequently and as openly mm-hmm. as it could be. Mm-hmm. So tell me the information about the menopause, what it is, uh, how it affects people, so mm. we can go from there. Mm. Well, I suppose in a nutshell, it's the cessation of fertility. So a woman, a woman no longer has her periods, and it, you're technically um, seen to have uh, gone through the menopause when you haven't had a period for a year. That's fine on paper, but of all the women I've spoken to, they've told me that their menopause, and you know, I've backed this up by looking up scientific journals and so on, lasted somewhere between seven and 20 years. Wow. Which is just because the symptoms that go alongside the hormone change, for some people, they barely notice it. And it's just like, oh, yeah, that happened. And for other women, it can be absolutely terrible. You know, it can um, affect every aspect of their life. It can uh, affect their mental health. It can make the brains, you know, the the brain fog is a real thing. It's really awful. You can go from feeling quite um, literate and, you know, um, able to do all sorts of puzzles and quizzes to not being able to think straight to, you know, uh, aching joints, not being able to sleep, the, the night sweats that, you know, are the kind of thing that most people know about. But the, the symptoms can be absolutely huge and many of them are not or haven't been in the past. I think it's got a lot better not seen as menopause. Uh, and for me personally, I'm now not convinced that 
all of my symptoms were to do with ME, I am wondering whether a lot of them were actually menopause, but it was undiagnosed. It was probably a horrible combination of the two. I'll never know. Um, But because it was happening about the same time, I I do wonder now. Yeah. So why do you think there's not... I mean, I would... Is it a a taboo topic? Why is it not spoken about as much and because we're looking at it's early 50s i know it can vary depending Mm. on obviously the individual like you said it varies the impact it might have on someone but Mm -hmm. is there much support at the moment do you think in society i think things have got a lot better certainly for my generation going through so sort of 10 15 years ago it was appalling i mean there was just so little help and there was um a huge scare that HRT might could lead to breast cancer. So for those of us who had breast cancer in the family, we were all advised not to take HRT. Mm. But nothing else was really on offer except for antidepressants, which for many of us felt, well, I'm not actually depressed. I might feel like I'm going mad, but I'm not depressed. Um, things have got better. Uh, speaking to someone yesterday who said, well, yes, they have, but there's such a shortage of HRT that nobody can get what they've been prescribed um and i know it's very controversial given the politics of yesterday but i think certainly for me i was at the peak of my career you know i was good at what i did but my health which i now understand to be menopausal symptoms or, or emmy or whatever it was wasn't enabling me to sustain that and it, it's a great pity that we're losing women who are you know, quite often just at the peak of their careers and they're struggling with health and often with family stuff as well. You know, p- parents getting older, yep. children leaving the nest. It's it's quite a, an intense period of time for many women, not all, obviously, but, you know, to generalise. Beyond their control um, as well. I beg your pardon? Beyond, beyond their control as well. It's all beyond your uh, control. Absolutely. Uh, I think also for my generation of women, When our periods started, a lot of us were told to keep silent about it. It's not something you talked about. And that sort of reign of silence kept going. And there was certainly, um, and it's hard to know where these things come from, but menopause was something you shouldn't talk about either, especially if you wanted to keep your career and you wanted to do well in your career. You didn't want to be showing any kind of weakness at all. Um, And I think... I don't know if that's still the case because obviously I'm not in work anymore in that sense. But I do think that probably was quite a common experience. Yeah. yeah. In the way that we would look to support anyone of any demographic going to going through, you know, a, 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 a difficult time. Why would there not be support for mm-hmm. for for those people? Like, and like you said, it, you went through the, the physical effects it can have as well, but the mental effects it can have on you, not mm-hmm. only... Uh, what it directly will affect but also a kind of placebo effect of you if you know that you're in a time of life where this might be coming up soon then Mm. even that again I can imagine would have some sort of effect Mm. on your mental well-being Mm. and that will then translate I mean we talk so much on this podcast about the relationship between physical and mental well-being Mm. do you find you know speaking to the people that you spoke to that there was a sort of view of oh well this is it now. I'm I'm in that time of life where it's um, where I, I'm not going to be able to get out 
walking and being active as much nor mm-hmm. do I want to be because what's the point I mm-hmm. and like you said at the beginning I just sort of go into this stage of life where I just sort of rumble along I can't take mm-hmm. any, up anything mm-hmm. new D- does that really play a part in people's psyche I, I think it really does um I think and that's partly why I've gone from finding out for my own personal purposes to almost feeling like I'm sort of spearheading a campaign <laughs> yeah. because so many of the women I've spoken to, like me, had felt that they'd just dropped off a cliff. You know, well, what what is beyond menopause? And I think it was only when I looked at the data and thought, goodness me, if I'm lucky enough to live as long as my parents did, I've possibly got 30 years beyond the menopause. You know, that's a fabulous amount of time in which to do anything. Um, and it is really, really important that we all keep as fit and healthy as we possibly can. And, you know, I go to the gym once a week and lift weights and do Pilates and play squash. And, you know, I keep as fit as I can. Um, and I'm probably fitter now than I was, you know, than I have been since I was probably, you know, quite a bit younger. But I think... I, I, one thing that has happened, I wasn't expecting. I've had feedback on the book from much younger women, women who haven't yet reached menopause, who have told me, oh, well, this has changed my view because I now think I've got something to look forward to rather than just, oh, God, it's going to be awful <laughs> and then you die kind of thing, yeah. you know? Um, and for that, I think. I always said, you know, if I only helped one person writing the book, it was worth doing. Um, But, A, I didn't expect younger women to read it. And those who have, I didn't expect them to find it such a positive, um, to have such a positive effect for them. Well, I can imagine that because it, 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 I I can imagine it takes almost something off your shoulders of going, okay, well, this actually isn't something to be scared of. It's, it's there'll be opportunity. There's so, like you said, there's a, it's a, or could almost be a third of your life after this period mm-hmm. of time. And mm-hmm. you may have you know, more time, more opportunity to be able to try mm-hmm. new things to, mm-hmm. and like you said earlier, circle back to earlier endeavors in life, mm-hmm. which you want to pick up again. I mean, there was, um, you, you talk about the stories in the book. Um, is it Caroline who went back and did a master's in fine art and opened up her own gallery I mean, obviously, this podcast is all about being outside and active. So we, also, we we have and we will chat about how you can continue to have that in life. But it's mm-hmm. also about that mental fitness as well and going back and studying. And you said you studied as well. And then doing, you know, opening up your own gallery. Uh, that, mm-hmm. That's a massive thing that you wouldn't have been able to do necessarily in a in another full time job. But yeah, I mean, she was almost almost 40 years raising children, et cetera. And wow. then. You know, she didn't finish her first degree because she got pregnant and, you know, life goes on, doesn't it? And then she decided in her early 60s, if I don't do it now, you know, if not now, then when? And it's that big question of and she always wanted to do it. She she'd gone back to study and do her master's and she's opened a gallery. I mean, wow. It's just fantastic. And that's something she always wanted to do. So she's one of the ones who fulfilled a long held dream that she couldn't do whilst she was raising a family and so on. Yeah. I think uh, when I was looking around your website and reading bits and pieces that you sent through, there was something that really, really struck me because 
you hear a lot, oh, I don't want to get old or I don't want to whatever. And I think you said aging is a gift. Not everyone gets to grow old. Mm. And it mm. really made me stop for a second and think, mm-hmm. that's not really what I'd considered mm. too much. And it's mm. a really, really good point. The mm. The blessing of being able to grow old is something not, not every, that mm. not everyone gets. So we should make the full opportunity of being able to do that with our time. Uh, absolutely. So I'm starting to tear up because I have a young friend in a hospice at the moment. And I feel... So privileged to be 65. Um, I also had very dear friends who died in their 50s and would have given anything to be doing what I'm doing. And I just feel it is an enormous privilege. I'm not going to swallow the, you know, you've got to dye your hair, you've got to cut it this way, or you've got to buy this cream or that cream, or, you know, I'm not going to buy into that. I'm me you know, the best I can do for myself is keep myself fit and healthy and hopefully also, you know, help others on their way. And, um, you know, it it is a privilege. It really is. That's such a good point and piece of advice for people as well, that aging isn't a one size fits all. There's no this, you have to do this and you should conform to this social uh, way of thinking. Like, Whatever's in the way that you would say to anyone in any period of life, do whatever mm. makes you happy. If you're not mm-hmm. hurting anyone and you're not hurting yourself, then exactly. do, do what's going to yeah. make you feel comfortable and happy. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I kind of, I kind of wrote down the question: Why is this not the end of being active? Because we kind of again touched on uh, the idea of, oh well, I've, I've hit this period of life. I might not be able to be as active as I was before mm-hmm. earlier in life for X, Y, Z reason. But why is it not? Why is there still so much opportunity to get out there and be active mm-hmm. in whatever way that may be? For you, it's going and doing yoga and lifting weights. For some people, it might be um, buying, a, uh, getting a pet and walking a dog uh, yeah. twice every day in whatever mm-hmm. shape that you may be. So why is it not the end of being active? Well, I think it shouldn't be the end of acti- being active. I think all the evidence we have is that the more active you are within reason, as long as you're not kind of doing <laughs> body damage, yep. um, is is that that's what you need to be both mentally and f- physically well. You know, our internal mechanisms need that to keep them going and to keep them re- replenishing themselves and so on. So. I don't. I don't think there's any question over it at all. But what I, what I would say is, you know, do what you enjoy. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it. So you know, do whatever it is you enjoy. But there's masses of evidence now about being in green space, about being in trees, yeah. and you know, getting out into as much of the the great outdoors, the wilderness as, as you can, depending on you know your circumstances. And I would absolutely advocate for that. If I'm having a struggle of a day, I know I need to go up a hill, you know, um, as it happened, my nearest hill of the Mulvans, and, you know, it's, I'm very lucky that I can drive there and get to the top of that really easily and think, okay, this puts my world in perspective. You need that sense of putting your world in that sense of time and space, I think. Yeah. We we had a lovely guest on the podcast Um about 10, 12 episodes ago, uh, a lady called Eddie Brocklesby, who I believe yeah. is 
early 80s now and yeah. we had a great a lovely lovely woman we had a really fun uh conversation full of laughter about how she started running at her in her early 50s i think 52 mm-hmm. had obviously been active before but really took to, to running mm-hmm. And has taken on incredible challenges. I mean, the fact that she's called Iron Grand because she's taken on so many Ironman challenges. She's done uh, the race across America as well. And she'll be, yeah. the, I think, the eldest British woman to do so. Yeah. And she just completely went the stereotype of uh, an older woman not being able to be active. Absolutely not. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to show people exactly what I can do and exactly what's possible on obviously the most up mm. upper scale but uh such such a um an inspiration to to people that might be looking for that and um yeah. i think that was exactly a great and example I think, well, I think she's brilliant and i think that's exactly it and i don't think we need to kind of preclude ourselves from things even if we do have a medical condition you know work around it because it's almost certain that whatever exercise you can manage to do is going to help you you know, you said earlier about um, people of, of a generation not wanting to talk about getting their periods and the menopause not being something you wanted to speak about as well. Mm-hmm. Where we're at now, is it easy to talk to friends that might be going through a similar stage in life? Are there communities to be able to support? Because we you know a burden shared is a burden half type thing. <clears throat> is it is it easy? I mean, when you spoke to the people that you did. When you were preparing for the book, did people find it easy talking to friends or colleagues and being able to sort of get advice and go through a similar time of life together? I think I think it has been very tricky. I think there's been a kind of um, conspiracy of silence, actually, and by opening up the conversation and very gently easing, mm. you know, um, these amazing women into talking about how they really felt. It's it's so easy, you know, how are you? I'm fine. And actually, you know, scratch beneath the surface and none of us are ever completely fine. We're all dealing with stuff every day of our lives. And actually, I think what the whole Juicy Crohn's project has enabled is that start of, I'm not saying it wasn't happening before, I'm not taking all the credit for this, but it did enable us to start talking about very real issues and the truth of our feelings, you know, particularly um, thinking about, you know, we're all facing the big exit. We've already talked about this in terms of, you know, um, and many of the women in the book have had um, cancer or, you know, very scary diagnosis or they've lost a loved one. Um, so it is a very, very real and present thing, but but they also the flip side of that is it makes you even more determined to love life and enjoy life and and get out there and forget all the the noise around stuff that really isn't important. Yeah. What do you think for you was the biggest thing that you learnt from interviewing these circa fifty people that you did? Mm. The, the, the biggest thing that came out for me was how inspiring they were. And I, I don't know if there'll be time to talk about a few, but um, it was also the honesty of the struggle. Yeah. You know, we just talked about that. And I thought that was incredibly valuable to, to share. Um, but that actually, each woman has found her own path. 
you know, into because everybody talks about wanting to have an adventure, but the way that um, <clears throat> works out is very different person to person, woman to woman in this case. And that was just wonderful to hear what fulfilled each person and how they found their path to it um, and, and what it meant to them as well. And also what it meant to be part of this project. It's been very, um, it's held us all very well. And, you know, we're still all friends on Facebook and, you know, we, you know, we kind of are supporting each other on our paths really. Yeah. And there might not be, but is there anything that surprised you in this collection of conversations? I'm not sure if it was a surprise, but I was quite shocked to be reminded at how economically challenged many women of my age are. I mean, I'm I'm very lucky. I had a full time career, and therefore I have a pension that goes with it. Yeah. But but many women don't, and they are living in really very difficult financial circumstances. So I was very mindful of that when I was writing the book to try and include women who were had found ways around that in terms of still grabbing life, still going for that adventure, but needing to find other ways to do that. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I asked you about Caroline, but I'd love to, I'd love for you to share a, an example of someone else that you spoke to that you'd be happy to share um, mm. and give an example. Um, so uh, yeah, a couple spring to mind. Um, so there's, there's Andy, who's almost exactly the same age as me, and um, so she's a very bright girl, but she didn't have the opportunities that her elder brother had in terms of education and choices in career. And, you know, she's bilingual, she's a secretary, but then she went to train as an air hostess for um, Iran Airways and then British Airways. And so she had a very successful career with BA as a, an air hostess, but all the while she wanted to be the pilot. That's what she wanted. Yeah. And it was an impossible dream for her. It was just not something that, uh, you know, a, woman, a young woman in the late 70s, early 80s was going to get that chance. And so as soon as she retired, or actually before she retired, she started um, learning to be a, a pilot and to get her private pilot's license. Unfortunately for her, of course, lockdown happened, and so that slowed the whole process yeah. up. But, you know, it's just wonderful, this, you know, this woman who's learning to fly. You know, she's 65 and she's learning to fly. And then someone like Alex who um, was having a bit of a difficult time in her 50s, mum not very well, just feeling a bit low, kind of decided to start um, doing park runs to try and improve her well-being. <clears throat> And then she hit 60. And when you're 60, the NHS sends you a lovely little kit to test your poo with, <laughs> you know, to see if you've got bowel cancer. Yeah. Uh, and very sadly for her, it came back as positive and she'd got stage three bowel cancer. However, by then she was loving her running, absolutely loving it, moving towards sort of uh, half marathons and marathons. And she continued with that despite having three major surgeries wow. to remove cancer from three areas of her body. Um, and she's now running ultramarathons. What a woman. And actually, the bit I forgot to say was that after her first round of chemotherapy, um, the, the doctors told her that she had such a severe allergic reaction that she couldn't carry on with chemo. 
um, and there was nothing else available to her. So she went down the route of managing her health via a diet. So she's not recommending it, but that's what her choice was. Yep. She she went on the keto diet and is very, very careful about what she eats. And, you know, back in June, she did two ultras back to back. It just <laughs> is incredible. I mean, we've spoken all through this and like you said about it being out, having the opportunity, if you can, to grasp life and to do things that it's almost like like you, you said about um, wanting to learn to be well get your pilot's license at 65 years old almost mm-hmm. have a piece of paper in front of you and write blue sky thinking if i could yeah. if i could do anything <laughs> what have i wanted yeah literally in that case <laughs> if i could do anything like now what have i always wanted to yeah. do that i've never had yeah. write them down and just go well yeah why not what's What's, yeah. what's the worst that's going to happen? Are that you can't for X reason? Well, at least I tried. And you can't have yeah. the regret of, of saying no, that you didn't try. Exactly. And I think that's the important thing is not to put excuses in your own way, but actually to think, yeah, I can do this or I can have a jolly good try. You yeah. Know. yeah. I'm yeah. always keen to for people listening to always come out of this with something that they can take away and practically Mm -hmm. think about or implement into their lives should they should they choose to the next day and kind of a couple of questions leading on this one for people that this will directly affect or has directly affected but Mm -hmm. if I'm coming to this period of my life Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm very close to it is there some practical advice that you can give to people or it can be something to advise for their mindset going into this uh, further to what we've spoken about that will just give people that extra piece of reassurance or understanding of what they can do when they're going through that time of life well i think now you can, you can get better advice from your gp that's one really good thing but i would absolutely say don't see it as a negative yes you've got all sorts of mental work and physical work to do with coming to terms with the end of your fertile period of your life mm. however once you've gone, as I put at the end of the book, you know, you've gone over to the other island. Life is incredible. I've never felt this um, amount of power and wisdom and just enjoyment of life as I have now. And I never in a million years thought I'd say that sort of eight years ago. Just it did feel really greyish. And now it just feels like I can do whatever I want to do. As long as it's not harming other people, obviously. But, you know, I I can, I can, I've got choices. I can do the things I want to do. And it's within my gift to get fit enough to do them, basically. Yeah. And we've provided some ideas and and advice and motivation, inspiration for people that um, have entered this part of of their life as well. But my other question that I'm interested to ask is that I'm very aware that I'm a 25 year old. Man who will not go through this, but will have mm-hmm. um, friends and um, <clears throat> family members that will mm-hmm. that will be. How can I best support? Because there will also be husbands and siblings and brothers, or whatever, mm-hmm. listening and, and mm-hmm. sons um, and daughters who might be thinking, how can I best support? Or is it just an? Is it enough for me to be aware and understanding of this topic more as well, and willing to learn and willing to? be able to talk about it what's an advice piece of advice that you would give to someone um in in, in my, my sort of category 
first of all, I salute you for doing this podcast at all, because <laughs> I think this would never have happened only a few years ago for, a, did you say, a 26-year-old young man to be talking to an older woman about it. I think that in itself is indicative of huge progress in society. I think, I can't speak for all women, but I think mostly they want to be heard, to be understood, and as far as possible to be tolerated, because it is a huge, you know, I think that perhaps as a young man, the thing that it is closest to is your teenage years, where hormones are up and down, and one minute, you know, you hate your parents and you're covered <laughs> in acne and all the world's evil, and, and the oh, next yes. you're loved up and, you know, <laughs> your girlfriend and all your boyfriends, your best things. You know, it is that sense of a roller coaster of emotions. And just because you're 50-something doesn't make you any more in control of it, really, than when you were 15, you know. Um, so I, I guess in that way, everyone has been through that roller coaster of emotions. We might not want to remember a lot of it, but... Um, <laughs> You know, it is a similar thing, and we kind of, like parents, look on and think, oh, God, they're teenagers. Maybe we need to have that kind of humour and goodwill towards, you know, women in particular who are going through this period of their lives. Because, um, you know, patience, and I don't know how as a partner you are patient when it could be like 10 years. It's, you know, it's not easy. <laughs> there, there will be so many... Uh, people that will read your book and be so thankful that you've been through all of these conversations to compile it all together. I mean, what's next for you now? Are you continually, continually, you know, t talking about this topic? What have you got planned coming up in the future? <laughs> well, the book was only launched two, two, less than two months ago. So it's been a really busy couple of months. Um, and it's just taken me so much by surprise I'm just getting back to thinking oh my fingers are starting to itch yeah. and my feet are starting to want to walk so before too long I will be heading north I, I do feel like I need to go and get lost somewhere and just you know write uh, I've got a few ideas brewing but none of them have taken a particular shape but yeah. you know the subtitle of the book is free for the strangest adventures and that's what I'm planning on doing really having more adventures whatever form those adventures take you know i'm just loving it uh, that, that's the whole mantra of the episode as well which has been and what you've been saying which is great where can people listening uh, go to find out more about you but obviously to check out the book as well okay so i have a website um, juicy juicycrones.org.uk if people would like to buy the book then it's available from all the usual uh, outlets but uh, particularly through brat who is my publisher um and you know I, i'd love to know what you think of it that, that would be really great jay thank you so much for coming onto the podcast it's it's thank genuinely you. been great to be able to have the conversation with you um thank you thank you so much and there's just one thing left that i need from you and that is a piece of advice that you would like to pass on to a guest that will be coming on the podcast in the near future. I think my advice would be go and have your adventure. Adventures are really something that happens within, but manifest themselves without. So, you know, go and find what that adventure is and, and how you get it. I love that. That's a great way to end. Jay, thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dominic. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Outside and Active podcast, the first of season nine featuring Jay Courtney. 
I think this topic was really, really interesting and something that I didn't know as much about. We uh, should be talking about this taboo topic. And thank you so much to Jay for coming onto the podcast and talking about it. Don't forget to check out this week's sponsor of the Outside and Active podcast, All Steps Formation Riding. You can get tickets to their amazing event by heading to allstepsformationriding.co.uk. Go and support them as they are supporting us and want to return the thank you. If you think you know someone who would enjoy this podcast just as much as you, then forward it on to them. Let's grow this community of outside and active podcast people and also leave a review on the platform you're listening to. You should be able to leave a review. Uh, Of course, if it's five stars, then that massively helps us. And I want to hear what you're thinking. But we'll be back next week for another episode of the Outside and Active podcast. But until that time, enjoy the outdoors.